Hello, hello, and welcome to Not So Secular, the place where we talk about how the world we live in is not as secular as we often think. We just choose to see it that way. My name is Mon Reyes, I'm a youth missionary here in the Philippines, and I will be your host here today. In this episode, I'd like to talk about self-esteem, confidence, and dignity. Specifically, I'd like to point out that these are very much related to one another. There are a lot of overlaps when we talk about these topics. But again, particularly, I'd like to point out the important differences, the important distinctions in understanding each of these, about how each one of these ideas has important things that set it apart from the other two as well, even though they are very much related. There is importance, there is value in identifying that. And in understanding that, I'd like to explore also how we could become better encouragers, how we could relate with one another better, and how we can understand ourselves better. If you wish to support this podcast, a follow, clicking on that follow or subscribe button on your podcast app would go a long way as well as a share. If this is something that you'd find helpful by the end of this episode, if there is someone whom you think would benefit from this episode and the things that we will be talking about here, please do share it with them, with your friends, with your family, and on your social media. That goes a long, long way. Thank you for your help. With all that said, let's get started. Before we get right on the topic at hand, I'd like to share with you a little bit first about how this came about in the first place, how this idea um, came to be. And so something about my wife and I is that we like talking. We enjoy talking. In fact, uh, it's one of my favorite pastimes when I'm with her. We could spend hours on end. If anything, that's something that we discovered in our relationship is that we enjoy conversations. We talk a lot, especially when we're in the car. We, we talk a lot about life, about family, about the future, about issues surrounding us, what's happening out there, what's happening in here. And that's just something that I enjoy very much when I'm with her. And so, like I said, when we're in the car, we do a lot of talking. And there was this one time, I think a couple of weeks ago, more than a number of weeks ago, several weeks ago, I think a couple of months ago, I think that's, that's more accurate. Um... When we were driving home, we came from somewhere and we were just talking about family. We were talking about having kids one day. You see, we're, we're a new couple. We're a young couple. We don't have kids yet as of the time that I'm recording this. And we were thinking about, so how do you do that? Like, how do you raise children properly? Because if you think about it, like, it's crazy to think about, like, what would that be like about the moment that you have a child? You have someone who is completely dependent on you. And I'm speaking about this biologically, yes, because infants are very much dependent on their parents, particularly their mothers, to the extent that they won't be able to live. Like, they won't survive without the parents' care. They're not like some of the other mammals that we have on Earth, right? At the moment the horse comes out of the womb, it starts walking. And it's not like that. You have to take care of a child for a longer period of time. And so we were thinking about that, and we were also thinking about some of the implications, like when it comes to not just the physical, but also like the psychological and the morality, like the values of the kid. Specifically, this is what came out. No, this is what came up, rather. We were thinking about, like, how do you raise a child and help that kid become confident 
you know, have a certain level of, of, of confidence without becoming arrogant. To become assured of who he is, his identity, what he's capable of, what his limits are. But at the same time, without making him too arrogant or boastful of the wrong things, how do you, how do you raise someone to become not insecure but also not full of pride? And so we were thinking about that. And like I said, we don't have kids yet, so we don't have experience on this. But that conversation led us into thinking about these things, thinking about some of the things that I'll, I'd like to share with you today about making these distinctions uh, among self-esteem, confidence, and dignity. We had to identify, okay, so again, this was the fruit, okay, what we're going to talk about, what I'd like to share with you today was the fruit of that conversation, plus uh, a number of hours more reflection after that. And so we were talking about it. And Specifically, I'm drawing more from my experience, our experience as youth leaders, as youth ministers, because again, we don't have kids. And maybe by the time when we do have kids already, we'd have a better insight when it comes to raising kids. But for today, this is not so much about raising kids, okay? That's not the point of this episode. For today, what I'd like to explore is understanding, again, the distinctions between or among these three ideas, self-esteem, confidence, and dignity. Like we said, there are a lot of overlaps to the extent that when we talk about like particularly those two words, the self-esteem and confidence, we tend to interchange them when we use these words. When we say that someone has low confidence, we also think of that person or we tend to say that that person also has low self-esteem. We use them as if they're synonyms. Okay, and dignity is a, a bit more a bit more distant from the first two, but it's still related. It's still within the same sphere. That when you talk about these topics, you're bound to come across the others also, more often than not. And so what I'd like to do, again, is to talk about the important distinctions because there is wisdom. I think there is wisdom in distinctions. There is wisdom in knowing the nuances. There is wisdom in understanding the particularities. Like, for example, when someone approaches me asking for relationship advice, I do my best to contextualize what it is that I'm going to say. Because I am certain that most of what I have to say comes from both my experiences and the things that I have learned through the people who journeyed with me, through my observations and my reflections. A lot of what I have to say... Um, it falls within the category of the general principles. Right? When you talk about relationships, there are general principles that applies to every single relationship. For example, super obvious one is do not cheat. Be faithful. If you are in an exclusive romantic relationship with someone, don't cheat. Don't date five people at a time. That's just not good practice. It's not something that you're supposed to do. So that's a general principle. Another general principle would be to communicate. Right? One of the most cliche things that we hear from people when they're giving relationship advice. But it's cliche for a reason because it's true. We have to learn how to communicate with one another, understand each other so that we could make decisions together. That is a general principle. It applies to all relationships. However, okay, within those general principles, it's important to understand the particularities. It's important to understand the specific applications because the way my wife and I would communicate with one another might be different from how you and your partner would communicate with one another, with the two of you, okay? There are differences. Yes, the general principles communicate. It applies to both couples, but the way that we do that might be different because I am different from you. And my wife is different from your partner. We have different circumstances, different family setups, situations. And so 
it's important to, for us to understand those differences so that we could apply the general principles well, more effectively in our lives. And so these distinctions, distinctions like that are important to make because it allows us to navigate through the complexities. It allows us to navigate through the nuances without treating much of these things as black and white. Now, understandably, there are some things that are supposed to be treated as black and white. It's either true or false. It's either good or bad. That's clear. However, there are also instances where it would be a mistake or it would be at, 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 le at the least ineffective to try to treat as black and white the things that are not really like that, to try to impose a given structure into something that is meant to be more fluid or flexible. And so again, there are times when it's important for us to apply the general principles as is or to be more firm with that, but there are also times when we should be more flexible and understand the nuances, understand the complexity, understand the ins and outs, the distinctions that have to be made for us to apply these things in specific people in, in specific situations also. And so, so again, let's get to our topic for today. Self-esteem, confidence, and dignity. Let's begin with definitions. Let's start with self-esteem. What is self-esteem? What does it mean? Okay, for us to answer that, we have to answer also, what does esteem mean? How do we use it in a sentence? We, when we refer to someone as highly esteemed, that person is highly esteemed, what do we mean by that? What we mean by that, more often than not, is that this person is regarded in a certain way. This person is respected in a certain way. Maybe he's the founder of your organization. Maybe he is the boss. Or maybe he is someone who was able to accomplish much in his life. And so he is highly esteemed. We treat this person with a certain amount of respect and with a certain amount of regard because of, because of who that person is and how we perceive that person. Now, Apply that to self-esteem. Self-esteem is a compound word. To put it simply, self-esteem is the esteem that you give yourself. How do you regard yourself? How do you respect yourself? That is self-esteem. If you want to go to a more technical definition, so I looked this up also, the dictionary definition, and I'm referring to, I looked it up and, and it says that in, in the browser, or how do you call this, the, the default social search engine, you know, the search engine that I'm using, it says that it's, it's drawing from the American Heritage Dictionary. And this is how it describes self-esteem, okay? This is esteem or good opinion of one's self, especially an estimate of one's self that is too high. So there's a perspective there. Um, another definition is the holding of good opinion of one's self or self-complacency. So that's how we could describe self-esteem. Um, we could, we could, delve into this deeper as we go toward the others, but it, it, it would help us understand it better once we start comparing. Okay, so that's self-esteem, but it's the regard that you give yourself. Now let's go to confidence. What is confidence? If you go to the dictionary de definition of confidence, this is what it says. It says, it is a belief or conviction that an outcome will be favorable. I like this second definition better. It says, belief in the certainty of something. Belief in the certainty of something, that's confidence. Confidence. Now, what is the difference between self-esteem and confidence? Let me give you this illustration for us to, for us to understand this better. How would you say, okay, if, if you have someone, two people, one person who has just started taking piano lessons a couple of days ago, like say three days ago, 
Okay, one person who started taking piano lessons three days ago. And then you have this other person who has been playing the piano for five years now, practicing. They're the same age, they're relatively young, okay? Someone who has five years of experience and someone who has three days of experience. Who do you think would be more confident between the two? Is it the first person, the, the guy who started three days ago, or the second person, the guy who started five years ago? Who would be more confident in playing the piano? The answer is, it's the second person, right? It's the person who started playing the piano five years ago. Why is that person? Why would that person have a better sense of confidence compared to the first one? Do you know why? It's because that person has something from which the confidence is based upon. The confidence is based upon his years of practice, his years of learning. The confidence is based upon his skill. And that is one of the primary differences between, between self-esteem and confidence. Self-esteem is the esteem that you give yourself. How do you view yourself? That's self-esteem. Confidence, on the other hand, comes from something or someone else. Confidence has to have an anchor. It has to have a source. If you say that you are confident, what are you confident on? For From whom? To whom are you confident on? I'm confident of this person. Why? Because this person is trustworthy. This person is someone that I know. I am confident in him. That's how we would describe the word confidence. There's a slight difference, okay? So, try to look at this from sabihin natin, diba? There are some, there are some programs that would get you to do self-talk, right? First thing in the morning, wake up, face the mirror. You have these sets of mantras that you tell yourself you are you are going to be productive today. You are a great person. You are kind. You are loving. Okay, all of this self-talk. Where does that fall into? That falls into the sphere of self-esteem. Because you're trying to build the way you perceive yourself. You're trying to build the way that you look at yourself. That's self-esteem. Confidence, on the other hand, would apply when you practice something, when you want to grow in something, when you're able to accomplish something. Your confidence grows because you have reason to be confident. There is a source for your confidence, whether that's your skill, your experience, your personality, who you are being firm in your identity, that is confidence. Again, there's a lot of overlap here, but it's important to understand the distinctions. It's important to understand the differences. Why, you might ask? Now, take this example, okay? In, in, applying, in applying the knowledge of the distinction between confidence and self-esteem. If someone is, doing, is having a hard time at school, okay? This person is getting low grades. This person is struggling, doesn't know how to finish his project, doesn't know how to go about it. Okay, finals is coming up, but then the grades for midterms just got released. And then this person finds out that he is about to fail, that he is getting super low grades, bad grades. And he would have to get such a, <clears throat> such a high grade in the finals for, for him to be able to pass, at least pass this subject. So we have that example. How would you build confidence in that person? What would you say? You wouldn't say, "Kaya mo yan. You just have to believe in yourself. You just have to. You just have to understand that you are smart. You are intelligent. You are this and that." You're trying to build self-esteem, right? And you're trying to to change the way that the person perceives himself, herself. 
you're you're trying to adjust their their self esteem. Oh, you're you're great. You're smart. You can do this. Kaya mo yan. Would that directly? Okay, that alone. Would that alone be sufficient for that student to be confident in that student's capability to get the 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 passing grade for that semester? The answer is no. Because you're not trying to build the person's confidence. You're just trying to boost their self-esteem. And boosting someone's self-esteem won't always help. It helps if you're trying to get them to encourage, to encourage them to do something or to act in a certain way. That's important. But that won't make them confident in getting and in having the capacity to get a better grade. Instead, what you could do is you could help them study. Instead, what you could do is you could be with them. Instead, what you could help, what you could do is you could ask them, okay, sige, where, in what areas are you struggling? How can I help you? Sige, let's study this together. Let's learn that. Oh, di ba? Kikita mo yan. You're able to solve that problem by yourself. You've grown in a certain way. You develop the confidence in the person when you do that because you're letting them go through it. You're letting them experience it and actually learn and grow and have a proper root for that confidence. You're not just telling them that, hey, it's gonna be better if you think about yourself as you're smart, as you're intelligent, as you're this and that. You're not just talking about self-esteem, you're talking about confidence. The problem is with confidence, it's not with self-esteem when we're thinking about these things. Of course, this is just an illustration. This is just an example, okay? It's not as black and white as that. But it's a good way of identifying the difference between self-esteem and confidence. Okay, so that's self-esteem and that's confidence. The problem, again, is that sometimes we have confidence problems, but we we try to solve them with self-esteem alone. And that's not sufficient. That's not enough. It's important to understand the differences. Self-esteem, you give it to yourself. It's how you perceive yourself. Confidence, it comes from someone else. Or it comes from something else. Now, where does dignity fit in when we're talking about these things? Dignity is slightly different. Dignity is slightly different. In the dictionary definition, it says that dignity is the quality or state of being worthy of esteem or respect. Same word. Okay. Here's another definition. It says, dignity is inherent nobility and worth. In exploring this third idea, I'd like to, I'd like to dive more into Catholic teaching more than just the dictionary definitions. Because in Catholic teaching, we have, we have a concept of dignity. And when we're talking about dignity in, in human dignity, specifically in Catholic teaching, we're referring to sacredness, the sacredness of human life. That by virtue of being born as a human being, being a human, okay, there's something that sets you apart. That's what sacred means, that you are set apart from the others. You are set apart from the rest, okay? In the Bible, we draw this from the idea that in the very first chapter, the very first book of the Bible, that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Because of this, you have value. You have inherent value that should not be violated, that you sh- should not be trespassed. You have something within you that makes you who you are by virtue of being born as a human being. This is inherently tied <clears throat> to our idea of rights and our pursuit of justice. The reason why we want to pursue justice for all people, especially the most, the people who are most, um, or rather the least fortunate in our society, such as the poor and uh, if you want to use a social justice term, marginalized. If the reason why we want to, to pursue justice for them is because we believe in the dignity of man, that man is supposed to be treated as in a certain way, that a human being has certain rights that cannot be taken away from them. And this is established 
very, very early in Scripture, in the very first chapter of the very first book, we have inherent value. And this is where our rights come from. Our rights doesn't come from the government. It doesn't come from human institution. Because if it comes from a human institution, then it can be taken away by a human institution. Instead, we believe that there is something in you. There, by, because you are born as an image of God, you have a divine spark within you that sets you apart from the rest of creation. You have value. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about dignity. It means that we are supposed to treat ourselves and treat one another in a certain way. Okay, I, I, I love how John Paul II talks about this in Centesimus Annus. It says, Human persons are willed by God. They are imprinted with God's image. Their dignity does not come from the work they do, but from the persons they are. In the Catechism also, it says, The dignity of the human person is rooted in his creation in the image and likeness of God. It is fulfilled in his vocation to divine beatitude. It is essential to a human being freely to direct himself to this fulfillment. By his deliberate actions, the human person does or does not conform to the good promised by God and attested by moral conscience. Human beings make their own contribution to their interior growth. They make their whole sentient and spiritual lives into means of this growth. With the help of grace, they grow in virtue, avoid sin. And if they sin, they entrust themselves as they did, as did the prodigal son, to the mercy of our Father in heaven. In this way, they attain to the perfection of charity. If you lived in ancient times, you, you had no concept. Okay, you would have no concept of equality. Equality, where does that idea come from? It comes from this, this perspective that we are all made in the image and likeness of God. In fact, that term itself, the image of God, used to be a term in ancient times. It used to be a term that was applied only to kings, only to rulers. That is why certain kings of certain ancient tribes or ancient kingdoms were regarded as divine. They were regarded as either the representation of their god or at least part god. For example, we have the Egyptian pharaoh. We have the Roman Caesar, the Roman Emperor. We have the Babylonian King. These, these figures were regarded as divine. They had that spark of divinity that made them who they are, that gave them this authority to rule over others. But when the biblical authors started writing, when they started conceptualizing with divine revelation, with the help of the Holy Spirit, okay, and even before their writing, within their tradition, the way that they understood God as God revealed himself to them, they, they had this concept that it wasn't just the kings who were made in the image and likeness of God, it was all of us. All of us, male and female, he created them. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female both had the image of God. And so you see, even this idea of equality among the sexes, it is there from the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible. And not just among the sexes, but also among like social classes. It wasn't just the kings anymore who had this, 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 this understanding of dignity. It was everyone. We all had that spark of divinity within us. We all have dignity. Now, Let's go back to our, our, our contrast, self-esteem, confidence, and dignity. Dignity is a bit different from self-esteem and confidence because dignity is something that cannot be taken away from you. No matter what happens, you have value. You have potential. There is a spark of divinity within you. There is something that sets you apart. There is something. You have rights. You have worth. You have 
dignity. You are supposed to be treated in a certain way. That is why we are against abuse. That is why we are against the taking, the, the murder, the, the explicit, um, intentional taking of life. This is something that we find, for example, in the story of Noah. This is something that God tells Noah. You're not supposed to kill people because people have value. This is inherently tied with our society's understanding of the human being, of human individuals. That is why we have debates on how, how should we treat criminals? Should, should they be just imprisoned to protect everyone else? Should they be killed also? How do we understand it? And the church has a lot to say about this. It's not, it's not black and white, again. But the part of the reason why we have these debates, human rights, for example. We even have human rights for people who are convicted. They're supposed to go through due process. Why? Because we believe that people have value even when they do terrible things. And because we want to respect value also, especially for the people who are innocent, who might just be getting um, framed or tagged along because they want they, they, they are they are perceived by society in a certain way. We fight for that. These are, this is the reason why we fight for rights because we believe that every human being has dignity. You have dignity regardless of what you think about yourself and regardless of what other people say about you. Another concrete application of this for us to understand better the important difference is to think about the porn industry. The part of the reason why the Catholic Church is against the porn industry is because it's dehumanizing. It does not respect the dignity of the individual. It does not respect the dignity of the actors and the consumers. It, when, you, when you do that, when you watch porn, you are in a little bit, in a little bit, not little bit, in a huge way, dehumanizing yourself and dehumanizing the people that you watch because that's exactly what you're doing. You're objectifying the people that you watch because you're treating them as an object of your pleasure as, and nothing else. It's all the satisfaction without the relationship, without the commitment. You don't even have to know the names of these people. And sometimes when you even know their names, you degrade them because every time you hear their names, you just think of who they are as a porn star. Now, some people might argue, right, when you're talking about the porn industry, well, may consent naman, right? They consent to these things, the actors. And it's, it doesn't seem to be harming anyone. They give, they give their, their full freedom to, to say yes to doing these sorts of acts and having it filmed. Okay, that's true. However, it doesn't matter if they're confident in them being porn stars. It doesn't matter if they have the proper self-esteem for, for them to be able to do the things that they're doing if it's not aligned with their dignity. We have to uphold this idea, this sense of dignity, because we are supposed to be treated in a certain way. And I think this is part of the problem when we're talking about sex in general in church. Because oftentimes the church is perceived as an institution that hates sex, that thinks that sex is dirty, that thinks that sex is not appropriate, that it's not supposed to, you're not supposed to talk about it, you're not supposed to think about it. And so, People who reject the church because of what they think the church teaches about sex, they have this false perception of what the church really talks about. Because the, 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 true, the true teaching, okay, I've been reading um, Jason Everett's Theology of the Body in, in an hour uh, recently. I just finished reading it. But the true teaching of the church, when you, talk, when you look at John Paul II's Theology of the Body, he was able to articulate this really well, is that we don't, we don't ask people to abstain from sex because we think that sex is dirty. Instead, we think that sex is valuable, that there is dignity inherent upon it, 
that when we partake upon it, when we partake upon sex, there is something that is fulfilled within us in a very real way. And because we think that sex is valuable, we don't want to degrade it. We don't want it to be lesser, treated lesser than what it's supposed to be. It's, it's kind of similar to having a plate. But a plate is sacred. It's supposed to be treated in a certain way. But you don't take your plate and uh, use it to scoop water from the toilet. First of all, it wouldn't fit in the toilet, but it would be, next is it would be completely improper. It, it would be dirty and you wouldn't eat from that plate again because you have treated it in a, in a, in a irreverent way. In an irreverent way. This understanding of dignity, dignity of work, dignity of sex, dignity of the body, dignity of human beings. It's important for us to understand this. Self-esteem, okay. To be clear again, self-esteem. What is self-esteem? It's something that you give yourself. It's a regard that you give yourself. How do you treat yourself? How do you look at yourself? How do you perceive yourself? Self-esteem, it's within your control. Confidence. What is confidence? Confidence comes from something. Confidence comes from someone. Okay? It's when you can trust that this thing or person will be faithful. Or when you can trust in what you are capable of and what you have trained to do. You are confident in this thing because you can trust that you're able to do it. Maybe because you've done it already in the past. Then you can be confident. So in that sense, self-esteem is completely within your control. Confidence is indirectly within your control. Okay, It's not completely within your control, but it's indirectly within your control. You have to do something for you to become confident. Or at least you have to have a certain way of perceiving something for you to be confident. While dignity, last but not least, is something that you cannot earn, is something that wasn't, it's, it's not just something that you could switch on and off, it's something that was given to you. It's something that you have. And yes, regardless of what has happened to you in the past, what you have done or what has been done to you, you have dignity that cannot be taken away from you. Even when you have the lowest confidence and even when you have the lowest self-esteem, you still have dignity. And it is proper for us to orient our self-esteem to our dignity so that we could see ourselves in the proper way and see ourselves the way God sees us. That's part of the Christian walk, our journey, our walk as Jesus followers to align our perception of ourselves and our perception of other people with the dignity that has been given to us by God. Now, where does confidence play in? Confidence fits in in how we look at God. Do we find him as someone who is trustworthy? Is he someone that we can rely upon? Is he someone whom we perceive? Do we have a good enough relationship with him that we can say that we are confident in who he is and what he has done and in what he is doing here now? That's where, that's where confidence fits in in this, in this Christian perspective, in this Christian worldview. Now, in all of these things, self-esteem, confidence, and dignity, how do, you, how do you navigate your way through it? When you're talking about self-esteem, it's not good to have too much. It's not good to have too little. It's good when it's aligned with dignity. We've established that. When you're talking about confidence, it's not a matter of whether you're confident or not. It's a matter of where do you place your confidence? Do you place it in the right things? Because when you are overconfident, it doesn't mean that you are super trusting of the thing. It means that you are trusting of something that maybe is not what you perceive it to be. 
Are you confident in the right things? Are you confident in the right people? It's a matter of where you place your confidence. So self-esteem is about being aligned. Confidence is about being anchored. While dignity, well, it's about knowing. It's about understanding. It's about knowing who you are in light of who God created you to be. It's about relationship. Because when you know your dignity, you can be confident in the right things. You can be confident in the right one, the right person that gives you your dignity. And when you have this proper understanding of who you are, then you are able also to act in certain ways. Before you can do, you be. We do in, in, in alignment to who we perceive ourselves to be. Uh, it, it's been said in, in one of these ways that you're not just a human doing, you are a human being. So it's important for us to understand our dignity and if we are acting in accordance to that dignity. To close off, I want to say something a little bit about humility. What is humility? Humility comes from the word humus, which part of that means ground. Humility means being grounded. Being grounded in the truth. To know the truth in your dignity, to know the truth of your dignity, to put confidence in the right things or the right people, and to have a moderate amount of self-esteem. That is what humility is all about. It's not an underestimation of yourself. It's not an overestimation of yourself. It's a real perception of who you are in light of how you perceive yourself, in light of what you can do and who you trust, and in light of your god given value, worth, and dignity. And so, as we encourage one another, as we understand ourselves, as we grow in navigating this world, this social world that we are in, um, I hope this was helpful for you. And I'd like to invite you to bring this into prayer. If you are a Jesus follower, if you're someone who would consider yourself a Catholic or a Christian, bring this into prayer, bring it to God, ask Him about it, allow Him to reveal Himself to you in a very real way and to point out the things that needs to be pointed out in your life. What is out of joint? Is it your idea of self-esteem? Is it your idea of confidence? Or is it your idea of dignity? And so, thank you very much for listening all the way through this episode. I, I hope this was fruitful. I hope this was helpful for you. Again, please do share this episode. If you found this helpful and if you think this would be helpful for someone else, please do share this episode with the people that you know, your friends your, and your family. That does help us a lot. Follow us so that you could stay updated. <laughs> I was thinking of a word there. If you So that you can stay updated with the episodes as they come out in the in your podcast platform of choice. And most of all, please do pray for us as we do this. Please pray for me as I continue this podcast. Um, that really does help a lot. I, I want, I'd like to keep you in my prayers also. If you want to get more involved, we have a Facebook group called Not So Secular Discussions and Questions where you can stay connected, maybe talk a little bit, get to know one another. It's new, so there are a few members still. And it would be great if you would like to join us there. With all that said, thank you very much, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye! Bye!